was begins right now joining me now is keith baldry global bc's legislative bureau chief hello keith hey guys let's focus on uh, the poll earlier this week british columbians are set to head uh, back to the polls for another provincial election before the year is out and a new poll suggests they may be confronted with a restructured political landscape when they do so a new poll from vancouver race research co-founded bc's official opposition uh, bc united uh, party is trailing not only the governing ndp but also the upstart uh, bc conservative party the poll found that 46 percent of respondents would back the governing ndp if an election were held today followed by 25 percent for the bc conservatives 17 percent for bc united and 11% for the BC Greens. Uh, I guess the first question to ask, uh, Keith, can the BC United now in third place turn it around? Well, I think the challenge for them, the most realistic challenge, can they turn it around to retain official opposition status? It would be a pretty heroic comeback if they can go from 15 points in public opinion to actually being in a spot to form government, which requires you know, probably at least 42% of the, of the popular vote. Uh, interesting, that research poll also found that the universe, and these are the maximum number of people who are at least willing to consider voting for a party, for BC United was just 33%, which is actually less than the popular vote the party received under the BC Liberal banner in 2020. The universe for uh, the potential universe for the BC Conservatives is 42%, and for the NDP, uh, more than 50%. So right now, in the number of people who are w- at least considering or willing to consider voting for a party, the Conservatives have a significant lead over BC United. Now, BC United launched uh, an ad campaign this week. We'll see if that has any impact. I'm still not sure how extensive it's going to be. But that's a pretty deep hole they've found themselves in. And they have not been able to dig themselves out of it for several months now. This is not a rogue poll. This is basically a, like, similar polls that have been going back for two months, if not three months. People can say, well, it's just a poll, which is true. It's just a snapshot in time. Things can change between now and October when the election is scheduled for. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, the challenge is for BC United, not necessarily form government, that's to remain intact as an official opposition instead of being replaced by the BC Conservatives. How much of this, though, is just people confused over BC Conservatives and federal Conservatives, two different parties, and that perhaps the electorate will get a little more focus as we get closer to Election Day in October? Oh, I think people will get more focused. They always do. As, as voting day draws near, you start paying more attention. There is genuine confusion over the BC United name. I think there's an obvious spillover effect from the Poliev, Pierre Poliev numbers federally, uh, sort of spilling over to boost the BC Conservative fortunes. Um, so and again, that may change over time. We don't know where Poliev is headed. Right now, he's flying high in the polls. That could change. And if suddenly, were, if he were to take a tumble, that might have, a, again, a negative effect on the BC Conservative Party. But right now, it's a brand that's running pretty high. And uh, certainly, the BC United brand has yet to distinguish itself or even define itself. And I'm not sure these radio ads are going to really make a lot of progress along that, uh, reaching that goal. Let's, uh, before we get to the ads themselves, let's just talk a little bit about the potential, let's just say the vote remains split. We're talking about NDP supermajority territory. What kind of the seat count are we talking about here potentially? Well, if it, if it remains this type of split where, you know, the United is only 15 points, Conservatives at 25, and the NDP at, at close to 50, we're talking 
you know, more than 80 seats out of a 93-seat house. We're adding six seats because of redistribution. Now, again, the election's still a number of months away. Uh, things can change, but if that voting pattern were to hold, you see the NDP picking up places, picking up seats in places they usually don't, such as the Okanagan, the North, um, even the East Kootenays, uh, and parts of the Fraser Valley. So they made some inroads in some seats they generally don't win in Chilliwack and Langley and Abbotsford in uh, 2020. Right now, they would hold those seats and potentially even add more in those areas. Um, also one in Vernon for the first time in a long time. And this, again, bolsters the NDP chances to not only hold on to the seats that one picked up from the United, from the VC Liberals in 2020, but also add to it in terms of seats in areas traditionally off-limits to it. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, there were some YouTube videos, and I think some of them are going to be running on television, I assume. I haven't seen any television ads yet. I certainly heard uh, Kevin Falcon's that on this program yesterday, and I think it's run on a few other uh, of our radio shows here, and I don't know when TV will be rolled out, if it is, and and, uh, and digital as well. What are your thoughts on just the videos that you've seen so far? Well, again, they've got a big selling job to do, and I'm not sure this is going to get it done. Um, and again, it, it depends where they're putting these ads and who, how many eyeballs are seeing them. So if you're not advertising on on platforms that are seen by a lot of people just regularly, then you're not going to get through to a large chunk of the voting public. If you restrict yourself to social media, that tends to be an echo chamber of people who already support you. They need to get people beyond the 15% who are showing up in the poll. They need to get people, according to research call, 41% of the people who voted for VC Liberals in 2020 have no intention for voting for VC United this time. Those are the people they got to get back. And I'm not sure they're going to get them through YouTube videos or social media campaigns. You need traditional legacy media, even though there's more and more cord cutters, there's still hundreds of thousands of people on voters who watch television, for example. Uh, You need to do more than advertise on radio. You've got to, I mean, it would be a pretty good sign for them if they were to be able to secure an ad during a Vancouver Canucks game, for example, Mm -hmm. or in the spring hockey playoffs or on Global News Hour. These are the shows that have all the eyeballs. If they can get an ad in those places, they'll be doing well. If they're stuck doing ads on social media or smaller stations or regional news outlets, then that's really not going to be a successful rebranding campaign. I've always found through my experience with the LNG industry and, and, you know, was handling campaigns for them, and these are seven-figure campaigns, you need two fundamental issues beyond just research and saying, where are the voters that aren't looking at us at this point? How do we reach them? What is the message that's going to reach them, number one? You need research. But you also need, one, time. And to start now in 2024, months before an election, uh, you don't have that time. They should have done this the day they announced a name change, and they haven't done that, number one. They've been talking about a rebrand campaign since the day they changed the name. It was going to come any day now. Well, we're finally seeing it. We still don't know what it's going to look like. And the clock is ticking you know, there's six months to the election. Um, that's not a lot of time to rebrand. <laughs> and then on top of that, my second point is you need money. And uh, I think this campaign is runs into March, about $1.3 million. I would argue you need between 4 and $5 million to actually do the job, and that will sustain you well into late August, uh, early September for the writ drops. And they don't have those kind of dollars. So, you know, a six-, seven-week campaign, I'm not sure how you sustain that and thinks anything has changed, not to mention, you know, you take uh, messaging and metrics 
Metro Vancouver, it's going to be different than what people want in, in the interior. You've got large exactly. uh, ethnic communities that sometimes it's better to speak to them in Cantonese or Mandarin or Punjabi or Philippine language of Telugu. all of that. I mean, it, this is a, it's a lot for them to do in just six weeks. There's that's huge, sure. huge ethnic communities that aren't going to uh, consume media all the same way and all in the same language. So you're right. This has to be – the media landscape is so, so – partly fractured and partly multidimensional. You just can't pick one aspect, one platform and think you're going to get it done there. It's got to be social media, but it's got to be legacy media, and it's got to be ethnic media. Yeah, there's no... And I haven't seen any evidence that that's going to be done. Speaking to Keith Bald, Regal, BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, we're talking about the week that was in BC politics. We've got a jam-packed switchboard. Let's go to George in Nanaimo. Hi, George. Hi, guys. Um, I think what you seem to be missing or you don't really seem to get is that uh, there are an awful lot of people that are vehemently opposed to the policies of this government, and they are not the kind of people that are going to respond to the polls. They don't trust the polls. They don't trust the mainstream media. And there's a lot of them out there. We're basically into two camps. One are the folks that are supportive of the government and the policies, and the others are vehemently opposed. And the problem with United is they're somewhere in between, and there's no space in between. Well, I don't know what to make of that. United is not in favor of the government. They want to replace the government. I think George is talking about the fact there's a lot of folks that, uh, uh, I guess, aren't speaking to the pollsters. And, and, and look, what's happening today could change in two weeks yeah. or in two months. And that's that's the part of gauging public mood. And it can be one story. And as I've told many people here behind the scenes, one uh, everyday person walking down the street gets attacked by somebody, let's say, is dealing with drug issues. That can change an issue. Uh, it can be somebody stuck in an emergency room uh, at a hospital that catches the attention of the public or somebody going across the border. You don't know well, what issues going to The problem with that is is that the gap between the government and the two opposition parties is so vast yes. that that it would take an earthquake to close that gap unless they got unless they combine forces. But again, John Rustad and Kevin Falcon show no signs whatsoever of merging. And I think you got a question of egos and pride involved here and neither wants to give an inch and Rustad's got the momentum now so he's not going to budge and Falcon's gone all in on this name change and he's not going to budge and that leaves a pretty Pretty clear highway for the NDP. Let's go to Karen and Surrey. Hi, Karen. Hi. First of all, we have a long-term memory about uh, the former Liberals and what they did. I've never voted NDP in my life. Last election I did, I will vote again. Mm-hmm. I live in Surrey, and I'm very happy with what's happening in, in the NDP government. Although the healthcare system, I look at the federal government for that debacle. I don't. I don't blame the provinces. Every province is in the same boat, and we have to look at the federal level for that. So I think that, you know what, uh, long-term memories and the split, the Conservatives and the uh, United are going to split the vote and the NDP will have a majority again. Karen, thanks for your call. She raises a very good point, Keith, in that, and I've said this is the core issue with the BC Liberals, BC United. Even when they have a good idea, when the public look to them for an alternative, there is something there that says, we don't trust you yet. The other guys are kind of messing up, but they're trying. And I would rather vote for them. In this case, this uh, caller, Karen, says she's going to vote NDP, has voted BC Liberal before. But when you look at them at BC United saying, I still don't trust you. And it tells me that, that A, they just haven't renewed yet. You need new faces, new people, new ideas, and they're still not there. Well, you know, the Free Enterprise Coalition has fallen apart. It fell apart in 1991. It took two elections to rebuild. 
It's falling apart now. It may take two elections to rebuild. I mean, elections go through cycles. And again, the Socrates fell apart in 91, um, replaced by the VC Liberals and the BC Reform Party, though two parties. It took 10 years for them to combine forces. And you're seeing now the old BC Liberals fall apart and leaving two parties, BC United and BC Conservatives. And it may take them 10 years to get their act together. All right, let's go to Stephen in Burnaby. Hi, Stephen. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Unfortunately, I think Kevin Falcon's going to get his butt handed to him because the conservative brand is just too strong. He's got the Polyev wave, and if they don't do an amalgamation, he's going to wake up crying on election night when he finds the conservatives have done far, far, far better. Uh, Keith, uh, one of the things I keep going back to, let's just say John Rusted would come back to the party. He's not bringing all those voters that are supporting him back. A lot of the folks are just never going to vote BC. Well, yeah, they're not there because of, they're not necessarily there because of John Rustad. No, the, the BC. Color's right. The BC Conservative brand has become more powerful in recent months than it ever has been. In, in you know, BC Conservatives have not been a factor at the provincial level since World War II. Uh, but now, potentially, they are, if they can hold on to those numbers. But as I say, still you know, a number of months before the vote. That's true. All right, let's uh, go to uh, Adam, Adam and Langley. Hi, Adam. Hey, thanks for the, taking the call. I think that BC United is in a lot of trouble. I don't understand BC voters, period, going NDP. We need someone like we have, like to have in Alberta who cares about the working class and stands up for their best interests instead of left-leaning global ideas what do you like what do you like about danielle smith specifically uh i'm a big fan of her alberta first she doesn't bow down to especially to trudeau with the the oil and gas industry all that kind of stuff she cares she understands her job is to the people of her province first but Um, but we're 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 different that wins we do have a oil and gas industry, more a gas industry but metro vancouver is, is its own political animal is it not adam even your community in langley you look at the numbers boy it's changing fast a hundred percent it's changing fast but i think we need to this province is so out of touch with working class people it's focused on uh, issues that go far past our residencies, so I, primarily things of, of environmental issues and stuff. And the left has been hijacked by nutcases. <laughs> All right, Adam, thank you very much for the well, reminder. You know, um, British Club, the key to holding political power in BC is uh, hold the middle, hold the center, and shade yourself a little to the right or a little to the left, and don't go too far in one direction. BC is not an overly conservative province, nor is it an overly liberal one. But it is certainly not a far right or far left one. And the part, party that understands that the best is going to hold power in Victoria. Exactly. Keith, have yourself a wonderful right. weekend. You Take care.